Welcome back to the Montgomery Company's podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery, and today I am with the one and only Jeff Henderson. Jeff is a renaissance man. It's hard to describe what he does in a word, in a sentence, because there's so much to Jeff's story. There's so much that he's done, so much that he's doing, and he has truly covered so much ground um, in his uh, professional journey. And He's got a, a gifting mix, I would say, of, of speaking and writing and coaching, and he spent time in the church, and he spent time in the marketplace, and the world of sports, and um, just excited for you to learn from Jeff today. Um, if you're if you're driving, I, I want to make a couple comments. If you're driving, you might want to you might want to slow this episode down. So if you're like me and you listen to stuff on one and a half times speed, you're gonna want to put this on on one times speed so you can catch it all. Um, the other thing I want you to hear is that is that this is heavy note taking time. So if if you're not driving. Uh, gosh, get your get your pen and paper out because we're going to learn in a really big way from Jeff Henderson today. Um, shout out uh, Brad Lominick, Chad Johnson, who connected us. Um, I know you've got, you know, we have so many mutual friends in common, um, John Maxwell and Mark Cole. And uh, Jeff, you've just been leading leaders for so long. Um, so much, so much respect for you. So before I formally introduce Jeff, let me, let me just give you Jeff's sort of background. Jeff was recently named by Forbes magazine is one of the top 20 speakers you should not miss. Jeff's become a trusted voice for businesses, for, for nonprofit organizations. Um, I want to just give you some of the, the names, the companies that Jeff has worked with. The Atlanta Braves, Callaway Gardens, Chick-fil-A, North Point Ministries, um, one of the largest churches in, in America. And while there, Jeff was the lead pastor for three churches over 17 years, helped launch North Point Online, one of the largest online ministries in the world. Uh, Jeff and his wife, Wendy, have been married 25 years, have a daughter, Jesse, 22, son, Cole, 19. He's a family man, father, husband, believer, leader. Welcome to the podcast, Jeff Henderson. Jordan, thank you so much, man. Thanks for that kind introduction. And yeah, man, you mentioned some rock stars, Lominick, Chad, John Maxwell, Mark Cole, uh, but they all had wonderful things to say about you as well. So they're they're mm-hmm. gossiping about you, and it's all great stuff. Well, listen, man, it's um, you know, your your association determines your destination, and and you know, I think I look at your your background, and you've just done such a good job of of building genuine relationships with with great and amazing people. So, um, hey, I want to talk about your new book. You got this new book out, What to Do Next, and. It's launched. It's here. I love the subtitle, Taking Your Best Step When Life is Uncertain. Um, why did you write this book specifically, Jeff? Why did, why did you move forward with this specific title and book? I'm currently living it. And it's, it's interesting to me, Jordan. So many people came up to me and said, hey, how did you figure this out? And you know, times are so uncertain over the last few years, right? And how did you how did you keep moving forward? And that was a really good question. And I didn't, you know, I was writing this before I'd even heard the phrase resignation nation or you know, all of that. And and I, I just looked up one day and thought, wow, look at all these people leaving their jobs and people are coming to me asking, how did you figure this out? And as I looked over the course of my career, that there have been four or five huge moves that I've made, all associated with leaving a great location, but moving towards something. And I reflected that, you know, there were some principles and strategies that I used to help me figure out what to do next. And so I started just sharing that with a few people and they said, hey, can you write that down? And or when I would I would ask people, do you know anybody who's trying to figure out what to do next? And every single time they would say yes. And many times they would say, don't tell anybody, but that 
someone is me, <laughs> right? So mm. I just began to think, I think this is a felt need that people are trying to figure out. And so it's been, it's been so astonishing to me how this has just kind of taken off. And, but again, I think we're all trying to figure out in an uncertain days, how do we navigate this to keep moving forward? And one of the principles is, you know, don't let what you don't know rob you of what you can do. There are some things that you can do. And sometimes we get so overwhelmed with, I don't know about this. I don't know how this is going to work. And, you know, look, where's the economy going? I don't know that, but I know that there's some things that you can do today to help you figure out what to do next. So that's, that's really why I wrote the book. And, you know, you mentioned my kids, I want them when they're facing situations like this to kind of have a little bit of a roadmap and a strategy Mm -hmm. to figure it out. Well, I love how you talk about your family, by the way, you're quick to share stories about your children. And as you've navigated life, you know, you've included them, I think, in, in, in your work, which is, which is awesome. And I love how you, you, you sort of make this notion that, you know, when you tell people they don't have to figure out the rest of their life, they just have to figure out what's next. I once heard you say, you just feel the pressure come off of people. Like there's a, yes. there's a release, right? And, and I love that your book is full of practical tools. Um, one of the one of the tools that you describe or talk about is dealing with risk, and you make this you make this mention that we can't necessarily eliminate risk, but we can learn to management because taking the next step often means dealing with some level of risk. Tell us more about that. Sure. The question I get is, how can you eliminate risk in a career decision? And uh, I have good news and bad news. The bad news is you can't, or at least the world in which I live in, Jordan, and I think the world in which you live in, it, there's always going to be risk but you can shrink it. So the analogy mm-hmm. is you know, with a career decision or a life decision, it doesn't have to be a leap across the Grand Canyon, but it might be a leap across a mud puddle. You know, might, you might get wet mm-hmm. and muddy, but you're not going to plunge thousands of feet below. So you want to shrink the risk as much as you possibly can, but at some point you still have to leap. And even when it works out, as you're leaping over that, it's, there's going to be ups and downs, challenges, things that you didn't see, some wins and some losses. But you can't interpret that as I made the wrong decision. You have mm. to do the best that you can. And again, in the book, I talk about how do you make this decision. And But as you're moving forward, you can pivot if things don't work exactly as you would have thought. And you know, spoiler alert as well, I don't know if things ever work exactly the way you thought it, right? There's just going to be some, some, some ups and downs. But when you have clarity and know that, no, this is, this is where I'm going to go. I'm going to give this a shot. Um, it just helps you with the risk. I'll give you a real quick example. When I left Chick-fil-A to help launch a church in Atlanta, this was back in 2003. This was North Point Ministries here in Atlanta. And Andy Stanley is the senior pastor. And this was their first multi-site video church. Well, if you're familiar at all with, 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 if your listeners are familiar at all with, with, with church world, multi-site video church is, you know, commonplace nowadays. But back in those days, it was unheard of. So imagine me sitting down, my parents and my in-laws, and Wendy and I explaining to them, I'm going to leave this multi-billion dollar company where everybody loves me and you can see my career trajectory to go lead a church where the preacher's on video. I mean, it, it made absolutely no sense, right? Mm. But we did the hard work of shrinking the risk of that. And knowing mm. that this is worth giving it a shot. But mm. one of the ways that we manage the risk, Jordan, is before I left Chick-fil-A, I wrote the executive committee, a handwritten note. I wrote the 70 members of the marketing team that I worked with, a handwritten note, thanking them for the opportunity to work here. And while I didn't put this in the note, it basically implied 
if this video church thing doesn't work out, can I come back and work here? <laughs> and so how, one of the ways you manage the risk is make sure that you leave as well as you possibly can. So good. Okay. I, I do want to talk about leaving well. I want to dig into that some more because I know that you're passionate about helping people do that. Before we, before we go there, I, I need listeners to know this. You have at multiple times in your life, Jeff, decided to jump. This, you've decided to take another step. When many people would say, wait a minute, Jeff, you are at the pinnacle. Like you, you are where people have dreamed of, of being in, in the church world, in the marketplace. And you keep kind of pushing the envelope. I know that you're prayerful about that. And I know that comes with great wisdom and discernment and you're leaving well. And that doesn't happen. That's not an overnight thing. Um, here's what I love that you say. You say, sometimes the greatest risk isn't in leaving. The greatest risk can actually be in staying. How do we, how do we know, how do we use wisdom and discernment to know when to leave, when to stay? And, mm-hmm. and by the way, whether this is a career decision or, or you're making some other really big decision in life, I want to, I want to be clear that Jeff's, your, your messaging and content is not just for the big career decision. I, I think it, I think it's much broader than that, but, but go ahead, speak to that. Right. Well, thank you for saying that. And I'll also say this, Jordan, that the goal of our conversation and the goal of the book isn't to convince anyone to leave their job. Um, that's, not, that's not the ultimate goal. And to your question, I think part of this is a personality makeup. I'm a starter, right? So starters like starting things. And then about six to seven years, I'll start looking around and going, okay, what's next? And, but that doesn't mean that people that stay aren't starters and aren't great leaders. For example, uh, one of my closest friends, David Farmer, he's over uh, menu strategy at Chick-fil-A. Well, David's been at Chick-fil-A for 30 years, but he's the guy that challenged me with this, with this uh, statement that I put in the book. If you're the same person six months from now, you're falling behind. So I'm constantly trying to bring the next best version of me and the kryptonite to the next best version of me is often comfort. Mm. I, I go to the same coffee shop every day. I go I have these same meetings on Monday and I just kind of do my own thing and it gets really comfortable. And I'm, there's no one that loves comfort more than me. But I know when I get to the end of my life, I'm not going to say, I made it. I was so comfortable. That was mm. comfortable. And I'll be honest with you, these last two years have been probably the most uncomfortable two years of my entire life. Because for the first time in my life, I'm literally, Wendy and I are literally out on our own. Um, mm. You know, most of my career, I've, been, I've gotten paid every two weeks. Um, I, I, they, I signed up insurance form that the, the company or the church provided <laughs> insurance. And in all of this, and now it's just, in fact, I was meeting with our insurance guy yesterday going, how do I you know, continue to figure this out. And so it's been very uncomfortable. At the same time, I'm just a different leader now uh, because I've just mm. had to face circumstances and challenges and, and, and deal with opportunities mm. like never before. And so um, it's, not, it's, it's, it's not been comfortable, but I have, a, I have kind of a, enough of a vision to know, I think that's where I'm going. I don't have it clear, but I'm going to keep moving toward that. And mm. again, you mentioned John Maxwell. One of the most pivotal moments in this two years for me was I was, after I had left um, Gwinnett Church, which is a couple of churches we launched in the Atlanta area 10 years ago, and was out on our own. My first speaking engagement was with John at a conference in Florida. And he spoke before me and he said, I never had a clear vision. I just kept moving forward. And I just put my pen down and I thought, Ooh, wait, what? I mean, I understand mere mortal like me. What do I know? 
But John Maxwell, so the leadership good. guru, he didn't have a clear vision. He just kept moving forward. I mean, tears filled my eyes and I'm like, okay, I don't know where this is all going, but I know that I can do this one thing. Tomorrow I can keep moving forward. And here I am. There's so many things that I know now just by moving forward that um, that kind of materialized just because you took one step closer. And so um, I'll be forever mm. grateful. Well, for so many reasons, but be forever grateful for John saying that. And that's how one of the ways that you, you know, you, you do manage risk and you keep moving forward is you just keep, you just take one step at a time. And then you look back and go, wow, it's been two years. Look at all the steps we took. I never had a clear vision. I just kept moving forward. So powerful. Um, you talk about leaving well, and, and you also talk about letting go. So letting go is hard, but it's oftentimes required for you to take the next step. And, and so let's get back to this idea of leaving well, letting go. I would love for you to encourage some folks who maybe sense that there's something, there's a next, there's a next step they're supposed to take. There's another chapter they're supposed to write. Um, what's the process of, of letting go? And then how do we, how do we leave well? I know, I know you spoke to that in your story, but how would you encourage somebody Jeff, to, to let go and, and then leave well. Mm -hmm. So one of the books that I'm, I read once a year is by Ryan Holiday, and it's Ego is the Enemy. Mm -hmm. And for a leader to say that there's no ego, you don't have any ego, I don't have any ego, it's just, it's just not true. At least it's not for me. So when you are a leader and you've started something, like we started Gwinnett Church, two churches, right? And... As founders in particular, uh, and I wasn't a founder, I was a starter, but uh, I think sometimes we get our identity gets so wrapped up in that. And so when you mm. pull it away, it's like pulling muscles away. You, you, you know, you can just pull and that identity pulls. And now when you go to a party or you meet somebody and they say, hey, Jordan, what do you do? And now you no longer have that quick answer that you could impress people with. And so one of the things that you have to do is that you have to leave. And a, a mentor of mine said, Jeff, when you leave, leave, don't linger. And mm. I, this, this may sound like I'm being critical. I, I'm not, but I just, I have a question mark about it. When I see a founder leave that role, but then they're still within the organization in a lesser role, I, the, in my humble opinion, and I could be wrong, the warning light on the dashboard is blinking. Because I think if the new leader was honest, he would say, it's just a little awkward to have the founder or the former leader looking over my shoulder. And so when we left Buckhead mm -hmm. Church, well, when I left Chick-fil-A, when I left Buckhead Church, when I left Gwinnett Church, we left in mm -hmm. honor of the leader to go, we don't want to be around and we don't want to be running the halls and go, well, Jeff, you know, let me tell you what's going on and all that kind of stuff. I just want, we just want to leave. Now, that's the good news. The bad news is, is that hurts because these mm -hmm. are people that you hired. This was your community, you know, all of that. So it's a very emotional thing. This is why I hired a transition consultant to help me through this. And mm -hmm. so the first meeting I had with him, he, I said, hey, I got four issues, three business and one emotional. And he said, let's talk about the emotions you're feeling. And we spent the whole hour just talking about the emotions that, you're, that we were feeling. And, and here's the good news and bad news about that. The, the, the good news is, is, man, we love the people. We love what we were doing. That was awesome. The bad news is, is we loved it there, right? So, you know, if you, if you hated your job and you didn't mm. like the people, it's like no big deal. See you guys later. I'm out of here. But when you love what you were doing and you love the people and all that, but you also at the same time felt like, but my time here is done. Um, you can't linger. You have mm. to, you have to leave. Uh, 
At the same time, you have to, you have to leave well, because I believe the best, the, the better you begin your next season is connected to how well you left your current season. Come and on, so good. I, I, we don't talk a lot about finishing well, um, specifically in, in leadership world. I'm not quite sure how that is because that should be the goal, right? Mm. And, and one of the greatest examples I got in, this, my, in my career was when I was working at Chick-fil-A, the president of the company, Jimmy Collins, was retiring. And he retired, retired in the year 2000. And Jimmy really, along, obviously, Truett was the founder and the visionary, Truett Cathy. But Jimmy really was kind of the engineer of the whole. So he was around and it was such a pivotal hire. You know, any organization has the visionary and then the operations person. And Jimmy was the operations mm-hmm. person. So his last speech in front of the entire organization, I'll never forget this. He said, here's my goal. My goal is about a year from now, if you as an operator call the support center, the home office, and ask to speak to me, hey, can I speak to Jimmy? I want the receptionist to say, Jimmy who? And I just thought that's the goal, that I want to leave in a way that the organization just keeps on going forward Mm. and I'm forgotten. And they go, Jeff who? Now, that sounds wonderful, Jordan. That is so hard to do. Because Mm. a friend of mine, Kieran Newhoff, he he, um, he's a great, great great pastor and leader. Um, and we, he and I have journeyed together as, as really close friends over several years now. He, he called me right before I left and he said, and this wasn't a criticism at all because he's been through this as well. He said, Jeff, just want to let you know, you'll be surprised how quickly you're forgotten. And, and that's, you know, that, and what the, mm-hmm. the ego part of you hurts, but the leadership part of you goes, yes, I'm so glad because the mm-hmm. ultimate leadership test of any leader is when they leave and the or, whatever happens to the organization at that point forward, yeah. that's actually the litmus test. So if everything falls apart, it implodes, you didn't really build the organization up. It might've been a platform for you. But if the organization says, hey, thanks for everything, we gotta keep going because we got stuff to accomplish and mm. they keep going on um, and you are quickly forgotten, congratulations, you passed the ultimate leadership test. Yeah, so good. Love that. Yeah, the measure of of your leadership. The true test is how the organization does without you, right? Once you're once you're gone. Absolutely. And I think you I think you said and, and forgive me, I'm not gonna gonna remember this specific person who said this. A mentor of yours said, I would rather leave the organization a day too early than stay than a, a year day too late. late. Yeah, than a year too late. That's right. Yep. Yeah, Dr. James Merritt, he, uh, their church allowed us to launch Gwinnett Church on Sunday nights in the very early days. And, and he was one of my many mentors that said, hey, do you, I would ask this question, I mean, everything's going well, even in the middle of COVID and all this kind of stuff. Do you think I'm leaving too early? And then he, that's when he said, you know, I'd rather leave a day uh, too early than a year too late. And so, so that was like, all right. That's it. I'm ready to go. And so I, I do think if I had to choose between leaving too early or too late, I would definitely choose too early. Mm, so good. Yeah, I need to hear that. We all do. We need to be reminded of that. Finishing well. John Acuff was just on our podcast. He said the future belongs okay. to the finishers. You know, and I, I couldn't agree more with that. Okay, so, so here's the deal. We're going to put a link to your new book, What to Do Next, in the show notes. So check okay, out um, Jeff's new book. Uh, you're going to love it. It will be a helpful guide for you. But I want to switch gears. Um, I, I can't let you off the podcast without talking a bit about marketing 
you know, branding. You, you wrote this book. You've dedicated so much of, of, of your life's work to, to this type of a thing. Um, know what you're for. Um, if you haven't read that book, check out, check out Jeff's book, Know What You're For. Many of you know this. If you're in the leadership space, uh, you're, you're likely at least familiar with this book. Maybe many of you have read it. There's a lot that we could talk about with the limited time that we have. Jeff, could you talk about the other box? I, I love, I've heard you talk about this multiple times, the, the other box, and I'm just going to leave it there and let you, let you take over. Sure. Well, any organization, whether it's business, church, or nonprofit, they have limited resources at some point. Even if you're a multi-billion dollar company like Chick-fil-A, you still have to you know, make your decisions as most effective. And so at some point, every organization asks customers, hey, how did you hear about us? How, and that would help us because if how you heard about it maybe where we need to go. Was it TV? Was it radio? Was it social media? Was it billboards? Was it a magazine? How was it? And then there's this one box, it's all the way at the end and it's the other box. And that's the box that gets checked more than any other box. And it drives marketing people like me crazy because we all know what it is. And it's the most powerful form of growth that any organization will ever receive. And that is positive word of mouth advertising. And the reason it drives us crazy is we feel like we don't have any control over that. And this isn't a plea against paid advertising or any of that, but we'll pick on the business world. A business is no longer what it tells customers it is. A business is what customers tell other customers it is. That's the other box and that's the ball game. And when you unlock the other box and understand how to leverage the other box, you create vision carriers for your business and your organization. Mm. And the more vision carriers you have, the more vision casters you have. So if people were to ask me, Jeff, you launched three churches in the Atlanta area. Um, if we could have given you $50,000 for an advertising budget or 50 people to talk about your church, you can't have both, which would you have, want? I'll take those 50 people every single time, because it's not just 50 people, it's 50 times how many of, it, of them in, is in their circle of influence. And they have more credibility than I do because I'm biased. You know, I, I work here, I started this thing or whatever. So again, not a, not a plea against paid advertising, but at the end of the day, when you have vision carriers that tell their friends about you and invite you to your business, your church, your nonprofit, that's the ball game and trying. And that's one of the reasons I wrote, know what, know what you're for. I wanted organizations to understand how do, how do we create vision carriers for our organization? Jeff, what, what gets in the way of our ability to do that? I mean, is it, is it, is it truly lack of clarity? Is it ego? Is it, is it difference of opinion amongst team members? I mean, what do you see as some of the greatest hurdles or challenges to companies today in figuring that out? I think the natural inclination of any organization is what I call insider-itis. And insider-itis is looking at the organization from the inside perspective. And it's producer logic versus consumer logic. Producer logic, if, if you'll just pick on my, uh, my former world of quick service restaurant, hey, it's coming up to noon. Let's just take the fries and let's just load the chute full of fries so we can get them out of here fast, right? Well, fast is part of the goal. But if those fries stay in that chute a lot longer then they're going to get stale or they're going to get cold. And there's a difference between hot waffle fries and cold waffle fries. So one of the things I put in the book is if a business was a person, many businesses would be considered narcissists because they're looking at it from their point of view. Did, did you see how much better that we are than our competitors? We are amazing. Did you see our last, I mean, 
there's no better company in the world. And that's just a narcissistic way to view customers and to view the business. And I'm quick to tell people, I'm not saying you're a narcissist. I'm just saying your business is displaying narcissistic tendencies. So what is a narcissistic tendency? Well, when I work with organizations, uh, churches in particular, I'll go to their Instagram page and I say, okay, we're going to look at your latest, latest 10 Instagram posts and we're going to count how many is about the church. And how many is it about the community that you're trying to serve? And typically it's like 10 to zero or nine to one. And the reason for that is the natural inclination of an organization is insider-itis. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't tell people what's going on. I'm not telling people that we shouldn't advertise our products, but there is a balance. And the balance is the hero here is the customer. The hero is not the company. So good. All right, talk to us about, the, in, in, in this vein, this is really good. Talk about hashtag for Gwinnett. This is awesome. I love, I love this story. Tell, tell us about hashtag for Gwinnett. When we bought the property for the church, I mentioned Dr. Merritt. We were at his church for three years. We bought this property. We were moving, and this, the city that we were in said, hey, you could put a sign up that said Gwinnett Church, coming soon or whatever. And we weren't even sure when we were going to be able to launch, but I thought, well, that's, that's cool. But the last thing I want to put right now, the first introduction is to put Gwinnett Church, because if you're not a church person, you're going to go, oh, okay, I'm never going to go there. So what we decided to do is just put this big sign out there that just said hashtag for Gwinnett. It didn't have a website. It didn't have a Bible verse. It didn't have coming soon. It didn't have, it didn't have anything. It just said hashtag for Gwinnett. And the feedback I got, and if I'm honest, the pushback I got, and I totally understand this, is, hey, how are they going to know that's a church? And my response was, exactly. They're not. And then we had, you know, just about 100 volunteers, and we just gave them hashtag four Gwinnett t-shirts. And we said, hey, when we, when you go to the ballparks and the grocery stores and around the community, I'd love for you to wear this shirt. And when people come up and ask you, hey, for Gwinnett on that t-shirt and there's a big you know land over there with this sign that says for Gwinnett what is that is that going to be a school is that going to be a business is that a residential subdivision um here's what I want you to say and and I'll pause here to say this Jordan whatever comes next in terms of of these are my vision carriers right the 100 people that are helping me start the church Mm. whatever comes next is gold and if you give them a 17 paragraph mission statement that you came up with 10 years ago in a filing cabinet that's, that no one can recite or remember, they're, they're not gonna get this right. Uh, vision's like a bucket of water. The more, the more words that are in the bucket, the more the words are gonna fall out. You have to be really, really succinct, right? So that's why these two words mm-hmm. for Gwinnett were really easy to say. And so we kind of trained them and said, well, that's actually gonna be a church. And then the folks will go, well, why, is, why does it say for Gwinnett, why is it going to be a church? And then here's what I want you to say. Many people are more familiar with what the church is against. We want to be known for what we're for, and we're for you. And those conversations just exploded our church. But part of that was you have vision carriers who've been given vision language that they can tell their friends or people that come up to them. But there's also some intrigue. And, and again, clarity is important. So if you go to the Gwinnett Church property right now in both locations, it says Gwinnett Church, right? So there is a time where you have to put the sign, the name of the, where is this thing? Okay, so, but that wasn't our time. We were still in the mystery and intrigue. And sometimes I think businesses um, miss, and churches as well, 
this the power of mystery and intrigue. And it, it kind of pulls customers in. They go, what is that? And what does that mean? But all of that was based on the premise of what do we want to be known for? And we wanted to be known for being, being for Gwinnett students and adults and businesses. And that's, that's kind of where all that was born. That is, that is one of the coolest stories ever shared on our podcast. Um, oh, wow. So, Thank you. So yeah, for, so for listeners, go back and listen to that again. Think about how that, how that could work in your organization. I love, I love how you talk about, you know, um, what, it, what it means to be for something or for your community, for the people. And, and this whole idea of insider-itis and, and, and narcissism playing a role in how we brand and market is, is fascinating. Um, Jeff, you, you've walked with you know titans in leadership and and both in the church and in the marketplace the andy stanley's and the john maxwell's and and you yourself you know i consider you a a real titan of leadership just a a person with so much wisdom and experience and i think about your transition from chick-fil-a to buckhead to gwinnett to now you know author speaker coach um what have you learned along the way And, and, and more specifically let me ask you john maxwell's you know favorite question what What's the greatest lesson you've learned in, in your in your leadership journey as you've navigated those different roles and just different chapters of life? Mm-hmm. I would say the greatest lesson I've learned in this season was John's, I never had a clear vision, I kept moving forward. But the greatest leadership lesson I've learned really came from my first business mentor when he said, there's not a limit to what a person can do when he or she doesn't care who gets the credit. And it goes back to a humility test. Um, do you, will you be willing to work hard and, and create solutions and move the organization forward, but not get the credit for that? If you are, you're on the right track. And again, it goes back to the ego test. It goes back to ego is the enemy. And which is why I always read that book once a year, just to remind myself, don't trick yourself. Your ego is lurking. It's there. And so uh, I love that. It's a, it's a quote. I think it was originally from President Truman, but that idea that, hey, there's not a limit to what you can do if you don't care who gets the credit. And when, you, when, when someone gets credit for something you did and you applaud that, wow, you're on the right track. Come on. That's great. Lo- lo- love how you un- un- uh, uh, unpack that. Um, all right. We're going to have some fun with this last question before we kind of sign off. What is one thing most people would be surprised to know about Jeff Henderson? I played college basketball and now I'll be at a very small basketball school. And I even played, I tell my kids, I played before the three point line was in existence. And if there was a three point line, your dad would be retired from the NBA. They can't refute <laughs> that, but that's my, that's my goal. So yeah, but I, I, I had a, I mean, my vision was to, my dream was to play in the NBA and help win the Hawks to the Atlanta Hawks, win their first national or NBA championship. They never drafted me, but they still yet to win an NBA championship. I think those two things are correlated, but uh, yeah, I love, (laughs) love, love basketball. And there's a good friend of mine, Mark Price, who actually ended up living my, my dream by, he played at Georgia Tech and then went and played a number of years in, in, in NBA you know, for Cleveland Cavaliers for most of his career. So yeah, I, I, Played a little bit of college ball. It was fun. Je- Jeff's a hooper. And I don't know if that's, you know, I wouldn't be surprised by that per se. However, the percentage of people that actually play collegiate sports at that level, um, not many. So that puts you in a, in a unique club. Hey, Jeff, um, I just, again, want to say thanks for, for being with us, for investing your valuable time. I know that 
you're a man on a mission. You have your hands in, in so many different uh, circles and ventures, and uh, people are, are asking you for your time, and you just spent your valuable time with us. So before I let you go, what, what is next for Jeff Henderson? What are you working on? Tell us what lies ahead. Well, fortunately for me, I'm just in, I'm still in this season and I'm out talking about what to do next. I'm still talking about what do you want to be known for? And those are really specifically the four message is a life message. What to do next is something that's, that's, that's very helpful. And, you know, John Maxwell has really kind of paved a way for me in the sense of you know, he can go into a business and speak and be fine. He can go into a church and speak and be fine. He can go into the educational space and be fine. And I love bouncing back and forth between this space. So I'll be with the Ford Motor Company tomorrow morning talking about what um, what do you want to be known for? And then this Sunday, I'll be in Nashville preaching with a, a church. So I love the fact of being able to bounce back and forth between those worlds. That's the world I grew up in as a preacher's kid. It's the world I lived in for a number of years in the business world and then back as a pastor. And then I just believe there's a lot that the the business world can learn from nonprofit leaders. And I believe there's a lot that nonprofit leaders can learn from the business world. And so to be able to connect with folks like you and to help leaders in you know, some challenging times, but some oppor- times of opportunity, it's, uh, it's been really fun. Well, there's a, a million ways to connect with Jeff Henderson. You're, you know, you've got your, your website, you're, you're very active on social media, you have assessments, there's tools, there's, there's ways. What's the best way to connect with, with Jeff Henderson? The best way is just go to jeffhenderson.com and you'll see everything there. But I would encourage you, if you get the book, I've put my cell phone number in the book. People ask me, is this really your cell phone number? It is. And so, and just text me your, your insights and or questions that you might have. And that's been so fun, Jordan. I get two or three texts a day just from readers. And it's just been, uh, it's just, I got one the other day from Ireland, which is really cool. And so just text me. And awesome. I would, you know, if I can help uh, encourage you or encourage someone, your company that that would be great and so don't hesitate to reach out via text once you uh, once you read the books well we'll be sure to link all of your social media handles and and, and your website uh in our show notes so people can go find out more about jeff henderson spend more time with you continue to learn from you my friend i've learned from you over the past 30 minutes thank you so much for again investing your knowledge your your insight and your wisdom into our community it is uh it is so great greatly appreciated and we are behind you always in your endeavor. So uh, I hope you trust that and know that. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Jordan. I hope to see you really, really soon. You come to Atlanta. Uh, especially I'll be there. I'm coming. Winter, winter days. Yeah. Come on, come on. Hey, look, man, I'm looking out at some snow here in the great state of Iowa. 30 <laughs> degrees in snow. So Atlanta this time of year doesn't sound so bad. I'll be with you soon. Great. Thanks, man. This has been another episode of the Montgomery Companies podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery. I want to say thanks also to John Choate and James Roth of Storyline Multimedia for all of the work that they do behind the scenes to make this episode go. If you enjoy listening to this show, if you're somebody who tunes in once in a while to our podcast, we'd love it if you'd officially subscribe so that we could move our mission of impact forward. This podcast is designed to help the leader go farther faster. We hope you've done that today. Be well, be great. Have a wonderful day.